0: everyone welcome back to the soldiers of cinema podcast this is episode 18 and bear with me here for a second <laughs> lesson 20 and 21 you've kind of gone off kilter there but uh <laughs> yeah today we're gonna to be talking about documentary making the conversation and eliciting difficult stories and of course as always i am joined by my good friend clark coffee
1: hello hello and uh yeah
0: i mean let's jump into
1: it let's um, jump into it i you know i love documentary films um, it's it, and obviously we're like film we're, we love film we're filmmakers mm-hmm. but I, I'm curious before we like jump into uh, what what Herzog covers here in these two lessons I'm just curious because for me I didn't come to appreciate or or even you know, or love documentary films until I was quite a bit older. Uh, and maybe yeah. this is normal I mean probably not a like not a lot of 12 year olds who are you know watching documentary films all day long um but what about you I, I was much older probably i would say it wasn't until college that I started to really get into documentary films at least you know as an audience member right yeah, yeah. I mean
0: I was I was kind of not really by choice I was sort of not really I you were want, I don't forced. Want to say forced into them but um, <laughs> like, it wasn't Clockwork, like Clockwork, orange. Clockwork orange exactly yeah <laughs> But, um, you know, I have – there's TIFF here in, in Toronto, which yep, is, of I've course, been the there film festival. And then it, there's – they've got the building. And they so they played – yeah they always play a lot of really interesting, you know, world cinema, which is a great resource to have as a kid um, rather than just your regular multiplexes. Right. Um, and so I used to go there a lot, see a lot of documentaries there. From, oh, fantastic. You know, like India, China. um and ah, I'm so I jealous. Remember, I remember Grizzly Man. Honestly, I think it was, like, the year after it came out. So, it came out 2005, right?
1: Okay, 2005, um, yeah.
0: And in, I think probably 2006, my grandma, for some reason, got me the DVD. Oh, um, nice. So, that was probably... A, a pretty been, hip grandma,
1: man. Yeah, I, I, that was probably the first Herzog I ever saw. Um, I, you know, it's interesting that you say that. I it, it is definitely not the first Herzog film I saw, but it certainly was... Um. You know, at the at the you know, where I hadn't really gotten into doc got documentary filmmaking it, mm-hmm. as much as I am today. So it was kind of at the in the beginning couple chapters of that exploration, definitely had a huge impact. Mm-hmm. Definitely was a big part of that for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. and I definitely didn't have the, the kind of, I don't remember lack of a better term, you know, relationship with Herzog's work then as I do now. So it definitely was kind of part of that formative, you know, experience of me getting to know him and, and his work and yeah, yeah. getting like more familiar with just the medium, uh, in and of itself documentary films. So and I think
0: this is, this is very related to Herzog, but in a kind of a weird way. Yeah. Um, another thing that is in Toronto that I think really influenced me growing up was um, the Cinesphere, which is the first permanent IMAX theater in the world. Oh, really? Um, And it's out I on the water. It's a really that. neat theater, but they used to play a lot of like old IMAX documentaries. Oh,
1: and so cool. And I think,
0: and the way that this is related to Herzog is that I think there's a relationship between the fact that IMAX documentaries are usually like movies like they feel very very narrative driven Mm -hmm. they're very you know big of course because you you know you got the big imax camera you want really a show of spectacle right herzog is similar perhaps not necessarily for spectacle but he always talks about the fact that his documentaries are narrative to him. Like, he doesn't sure. really think of them as a journalistic endeavor. He thinks of them as a narrative endeavor. Absolutely. Um, he refers to his, you know, subjects in as his documentaries. As actors. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, he he manip- wants, and we're going to yeah, talk about this, but he manipulates Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I think that that was a big part. So when it comes to me personally, you know, I love, I really like watching documentaries. I I I have no it's kind of a you know a little bit of a paradox i have no desire to be a documentary filmmaker professionally uh-huh. yeah. but i also really like making documentaries interesting um, you know me and you made the, or are making one together right. we've we've shot some of it but we're, we're going out in that process and yeah. you know i made one of the over the past year in
1: quarantine right um it's i've got another I really one that i'm in do. production with yep, that yep I'm exactly kind of yeah. in the middle of covid has put a little bit of a damper on that but uh, yeah, and I never. But I think found, it's
0: similar. Is that it's 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 like my desire for documentary isn't necessarily to go out and just interview people and have this handheld, you know, shaky cam, <laughs> very, very low budget style. I I am kind of on the same page as Herzog, and you know, again, for a larger scale, these IMAX documentaries where I really like even documentary to feel, you know for lack of a better term cinematic and to feel absolutely like you're you're kind of drawing people into the story that they that they were made with purpose and yeah, with exactly. perspective and with yeah.
1: an and from an opinion. Well, we're going to talk about, you know, quite a few uh, things that Herzog talks about in these in these lessons that hopefully will, you know, shed a little bit of light on what we can do as filmmakers to take our documentary films to that level where they are cinema. As opposed to fly on the wall, we're just going to set up a—you know—might as well be a security camera, just recording twenty-four-seven, and you know, let's just see if we get something. Um, but rather, actually, you know, coming at it from a perspective, having an opinion, and I kind—manipulating I is a word that I, I'm like a little bit afraid of to use sometimes for this, but it is—you're, you are, you're creating. Yeah. You're manipulating. You, Even without intention, it, you're still. Manipulating, you are. So you right? might yeah. as well just do it, right? And it's like, and, and it's right off the bat. This is you know great, a great place to jump right in. You know the first thing Herzog says here is, look, it's not an interview, it's a conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm not a journalist. I'm a filmmaker, and there is yeah. a huge difference. There's a huge difference, and I think. You know, I definitely have uh, experienced personally working with other filmmakers where there is a little bit of a confusion where it's mm-hmm. like, whoa, 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 oh, totally. you know, uh, we really have to present this, it, you know, we, ha- we can't touch this stuff. You know, we just, we set up the camera and what it is what it is, what it is. And I'm like, well, yeah, I, I don't work for the New York times, you know, or the, yeah, I wall am Street not Journal. the fly on the wall. <laughs> the hornet that stings, I'm right? a filmmaker, you know, that's the whole point. Um, But, but yeah, I mean, so right off the bat, Herzog is approaching it from this way, you know, he's like, this is, is," and and also I think it's, it's a great way, uh, to to start off right off the bat by hopefully developing a rapport Mm -hmm. with your, with the people that you're interviewing kind of, you know, most people, right. Most of us, uh, don't spend a lot of time on camera, so it's not second nature, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's uncomfortable, uh, people clam up. People get nervous. They don't want to look especially bad. with bigger cameras. They don't want to, or and large crews. We'll, we'll talk yeah, about and that large too. Large crews, yeah, yeah. Like a, uh, yeah. But most people, you know, it's like if you put a if you put a camera phone in front of most people and take their picture, right? What do people do? They pose. Yeah, they get. They, they get, pose. Yeah, they immediately exactly. try to present. Like they have a way they want to present themselves to the world, and uh and and that especially with social media and Instagram and everything. We that's a whole other road, but people are really kind of used to putting on this mask whenever they're on camera. Yes. So a lot of what yeah. you're going to be doing and what we're going to be talking about here is to try to create an environment where you're not going down that road where you're actually cracking the person open so to speak and and really like taking them to a place where they can be honest and vulnerable and where we can actually see something interesting there, right? And, and, so, and
0: to not be exploitative, too. Oh, explo- right. yeah. that's a good point. It's not about being
1: exploitative. You're right. And that is a really good point, and I think we can kind of sprinkle that in throughout all these different um, uh, techniques or strategies or philosophies that we're going to talk about that Herzog covers in these lessons, but you're right. I don't think Herzog explicitly uh, speaks to that in these lessons, but I know he has in other places where you really have to be careful um about not stepping over that boundary of exploiting people you're right and there's a big difference uh hopefully it well it's interesting sometimes it maybe is a challenging line you know actually um and maybe we can talk about that as we kind of go through this but sometimes it is actually i was going to say right off the you know it's like there are some obvious examples of where you're stepping into exploitation but sometimes that line is a bit gray Sometimes mm-hmm. it's that's a it's challenging. Uh, yeah. I've, I've actually had that experience myself. But so any anyway, I was saying that uh, that if you present it as a conversation and that's the way you approach it, I think right off the bat, uh, you're you're setting the stage for a better, uh, a better, uh, a better approach to get to the heart of what's inside your subjects right Mm -hmm. um i mean i don't know about you but if somebody sits across the table from me and starts reading from a list and they have all these questions and you know it's like they feel kind of disconnected and i'm like almost on a witness stand that's kind of scary yeah yeah
0: i mean i think the other thing too is there's a you have to really draw that distinction between journalism and and documentary filmmaking because i think that there's it can be tricky to decipher and in that what i mean is that like a journalist is coming in more often than not with, you know, again, a, a, a story that they're after. Mm-hmm. Whereas I find that documentary filmmaking is a lot more about discovering that story yes. through, it's a through great the point, filmmaking. Colin. So rather than, you know, as, as a documentary filmmaker, I'm never going to lead a conversation to a point that I think I'm going to get like at... gossip out of. Right. I'm going to lead the conversation to a point that I think is the most interesting, regardless of, of yeah. circumstance. Right. Um, I think that drawing that distinction is really important. So letting the the person kind of take the lead that you're interviewing yeah. and letting them lead you to your conclusion rather that's than a great point. You know, bringing a conclusion into it.
1: And that's I think that's a good point. You know, it's a that's a good reason why you might not bring, uh, you know, a plan a, or, a, you know, a very specific plan to that conversation. No list of questions, no pre-interviews, no you know, uh, like agenda where you're going to, you know, expose something out and, you know, um, but really rather to approach it from a, a much more foundational kind of just curiosity in the human condition, curiosity in this person and their experience. And you're right. Uh, let them kind of show you where this is. This conversation is going to go as opposed to really pre-planning everything. So, but, but sometimes too, you know, but then the flip side of that is though, again, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about. You don't just set up the camera and kind of just let them talk for an hour, you know. And it's, that's, that's what I, yeah. There is some, you know, you, you do have to kind of, there's this art of, and it's, it's a challenging one to kind of articulate to or speak to because it's so. It's the art of conversation, right? It's like, that's, that's what I mean when you say that,
0: when I say that I'm not, if I'm interviewing someone, I'm not trying to lead them to my yeah. conclusion. I'm trying to, you know, perhaps the person isn't that interesting of a storyteller. So my job then as the interviewer to becomes. Help them. To, well, to A, to help them, but also yeah. to, to kind of set up guidelines and to kind of you know, maybe put down the the safety net and sort of say like, "Here, talk about this." I want well, I want to point out something that you said before. Yeah, yeah. Why don't we? And that's what you know. That's kind of what Herzog talks well, about a lot. I love this idea of a safety this, uh, net or this episode. Yeah, yeah. But and he, love... I mean, he and that directly goes with what he said um, when he's talking about uh, Little Dieter needs to fly. Yeah, and he says, you know, that he went on and on and on for like a half hour. Oh, right, about, dear, when he's, ex- about when he's this,
1: describing his story yeah, about, his I think it was his escape, right? Yeah, Yeah,
0: and he says, and then Herzog says, well, you know, and this is, again, this goes back to the idea of, like, you're still shaping and you're still sort of scripting things as a filmmaker there. Mm-hmm. He says, okay, do that again, just uh. like working with an actor. Do that again, um, <laughs> but just just focus on this part. This and then time he with says, feeling. 30 no. seconds. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes, okay, I don't care about what the tree that you head under looked like, blah, blah, blah. I right. want to hear... Like this elicit me the raw emotion of what it was like to escape and what you felt and what you remember. And so well, again it is it is very much like working with an actor and that's something that you just wouldn't really get in journalism or live TV like right. that you would it would be very
1: very difficult. Well I it's you're right and I, I it's so interesting and if you listen to these or watch these lessons you'll kind of catch him referring to a subject as actors and I, and I actually really love that idea but there's so many things to kind of unpack here. I mean you talked about safety net and I think first and foremost right it's you're you're creating a conducive environment Mm. for the person that you're you're having this conversation with to open themselves up to be vulnerable right so uh so that's that's kind of that first part then you're working with them to kind of you're you're kind of looking for these little kernels right looking for these interesting stories looking for these kind of avenues or alleyways into their heart and when you find one, then it's it's about helping them walk down that path to the, you know, to the the real, like, good stuff there, yes, you know, the yes. treasure in the cave. Because people often and, and don't know how to them express shape themselves. That. Well, for sure. Yeah, I, I yeah, mean, like I have thing. troubles all the
0: time doing that. Just yeah, listen to me yeah. on this
1: podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but I mean, that's, that's what I mean is that, like, and sometimes it's, I... I also have trouble with that but i i find that i'm much better getting it out of somebody else than i am about well, sure, getting it out myself so i think that's kind of the thing you kind of have, you to have a bird's eye and, view right yeah, sometimes mean, you do have to pry It's sometimes
1: um, you have to pry and it's yeah. and, it, and again this is like right this is some a lot of this is such a delicate art it's you know prying versus guiding um you know knowing where that line is right we talked about being exploitive versus uh versus not it's you know a lot of times there's going to be some gray areas and you know sometimes i think there is going to be there are times where you may you may see a little like glimmer off in the corner and you try to help get uh this person that's in front of the camera uh to tell their story in more detail or from a different way and sometimes you know depending on what you're talking about it could be too traumatic it could be so you have to use good judgment and be empathetic with your subjects always you know, I, at least for me, I, you, let's talk about this. I mean, maybe, maybe you've got a slightly different opinion or maybe you're here with me on this. But I think, you know, yes, your film is important, but never to the detriment of the person in front of the camera to their well-being or even to their privacy. If they don't want to talk about it, if it's not something that they're comfortable talking about and you can't get them to a place of comfort with, like, reasonable, appropriate, respectful means then it it just doesn't fly for me for me because
0: you're gonna also you're gonna make the the worst thing to do is make your subject uncomfortable because then you're just gonna have them clam up on you well sure and 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 then i mean i'm not saying that of course the be all end all is is at the end of the day their mental health so i think that coming from a point of saying that the worst thing we can lose is is you know we don't get what we need out of them um, I think there are more important matters Absolutely. there, but, but there's and there are other respect. avenues. There's but, always that's other what I mean. options, yeah. Is, is like pushing. I've never found that pushing somebody to answer no. a question is it never going works. to get you anywhere. It's just, yeah. again, it's, it's going to get them to seize up and, and not yeah.
1: want to continue... Talking to you, frankly, and I mean the things that I found and because I've done more of this probably honestly at this point in my career I've done more of this than I have any other aspect of filmmaking whether it was uh, As a you know as a gun for hire as a videographer working uh, doing interviews with people on corporate side of things uh, to even my own documentary films of which i've been involved in a couple now that had a large amount of interviews and sometimes mm-hmm. on you know really like sensitive uh yeah emotionally charged topics for the people that were in the film and it's you know some of the things that i found is you know f- like just from the beginning like right just when you're when you walk into making a film and you know that you're going to be talking to people and asking them sensitive questions is to approach it from a place of total empathy and curiosity Mm -hmm. and those things should take you in obviously to a place where you're you are very interested and you are you are compassionate right and so you're sitting next to your, you know, because obviously, right, you, you're next to the camera. They're in a conversation with you. The camera's right next to your head. And I, I have found, I don't know, Cullen, tell me about you, but when you yourself are kind of consumed with a curiosity and an interest, and you've gotten yourself to a place where you are genuinely, you know, just consumed or thrilled with, with what you're talking about and with this person in front of you, you almost kind of can create this, like, tunnel that you sit in with them. Mm -hmm. And you can almost kind of even pull them into that with you by... And and make them also you're think listening. like a filmmaker you're like you know what i'm saying like you're yeah you your fate like the, you you're looking right into their eyes they're looking into your eyes and there's all this nuance of communication that's happening with your body language with you know your active listening skills you're like you're helping you're holding their hand almost right from the other side of the camera helping them take this journey but you're with them even though you're yeah. not on camera i mean at least that's how it feels for me like i and as a matter of fact i i remember the first few times i did some some pretty intense interviews i was shocked at how exhausting they were i was yes. actually really yeah. surprised by how like spent i was at the end of shooting i, I, I like for real i yeah. was like
0: i mean it's 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 like a, it's yeah. in a way it's a less aggressive interrogation <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It takes a lot of brain power.
1: I mean, in the same way, you know, again, that's why I love that Herzog uses the word actor to talk about the people and his his subjects in the documentary film. I I, I mean, it's like, to me, it feels so much the same as well in this way. It's like when I'm directing an actor in a narrative film, a fiction film. I get to a place where I feel like I'm right like I'm right there with them. I'm I'm in the scene. I'm in the story. I'm sometimes even almost like one with this actor or actors. And I feel the same way with documentary films. Mm-hmm. That it's it's not that there's a, a table and I'm on one side and they're on another and I've got this agenda and I'm trying to get some kind of performance or something from them. It's like I am doing this with you we're here together um, and and we're this is a journey that we're taking and you know it's like sometimes it's really rocky or steep or scary or there's a ledge there but we're here together and at least that's when i when i feel like i'm really on yeah. you know that's yeah. the way i feel yeah and
0: i i mean exact like i think that that's one thing i will also say too is like you can be casual um and i think that really helps people relax relax especially you relax, when yeah. you know when you're if you're out you know, you mentioned something like being a videographer, and that's that's another example of this. Perhaps is straying a bit away from interview, but yeah. if you're out on the street, or if you're just getting footage of things, and, and it's like one of those situations where you're you're at an event, or you're working that way. I find that it is always so much easier to you've I've seen I think everyone's seen these cameramen that are just kind of like drones that just walk around <laughs> and just get shots and don't ask people don't talk to anybody they just literally just yeah. kind of stomp around it's so much easier to have people be comfortable around a camera when you just talk to them yeah and you just not even you don't have to talk to them about the camera you don't have to be like yeah I'm here filming for this just have a conversation absolutely and then get them comfortable and it I mean again it, I said it didn't really have much to do with injuries but it does because you can also again you can you know, kind of grease up these interviews by saying, you know, just having a casual conversation with the person before well, you sure. start. Um, Absolutely. And and I think that's a huge
1: and it's different element of
0: getting the people calm, right? And, and,
1: right. And it's not a pre-interview, right? You want to be careful, at least mm-hmm, I think. And mm-hmm. I think Herzog speaks to this. I, I think you agree. We've talked about this before when we worked on ours. You don't want to go into what you're going to, you know, what we are going to be talking about. You don't want to try to to pre-interview or start to kind of, you know, ask the same questions you're going to, or, you know, try to kind of get into the conversation, get into the topic of what you actually want on camera. you just yeah. like, just getting to know each other, it's just building rapport, right? Um, and, and I think that's absolutely a good thing to do. Well, I mean, um, I think that's a really good point about not pre
0: like don't, and we're very careful with this as well when we do yeah. this hot podcast. We which don't, is you're don't, right? We don't even don't do have that for the this. conversation yeah. before. And there have been times when you know before we record, we've been getting into things, and we sort we're of like, stop no, ourselves no, no. and go, "Okay, let's actually let's <laughs> let's, let's start it. now because let's save because it because yeah. we're just talking about we're making really good points that aren't being recorded." So I think that that's a really good point is that you can. You know, you don't want to.
1: It's and for And Herzog specifically let, says, like, you know, I don't cheesy, want, <laughs> um,
0: he's like, I don't want, uh, I don't want it to sound like you've said it before. Yeah. And again, there's a difference between that and interviewing somebody and saying, let's take it again. Because the let's take it again is about efficiency it's about of storytelling. It's about yeah. digging. It's a mining. Yeah.
1: You're right. It's not, hopefully, right, if you're saying, let's do it again, uh, you're not saying, just tell me the exact same story in the yes. same way. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're helping them refine their story. And giving them I mean, notes I, and, yeah. and it, it's like um and and I he, and like you said, I think just a little bit earlier, you talked about the example with uh, Dieter, and how he uh you know the first time he told this story that Herzog felt really you know needed to be in the film. It took him like thirty minutes, and he was describing every little detail. It was you know seventy two degrees and partially cloudy, and uh you know and it's like no 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 these things aren't relative uh -hmm. they aren't necessary and then so he did it again and he just like went through it so fast that you know he left out all of the details that made it an intriguing story and it was just this like skeleton of a story and so he kind of worked with him and so that's different like absolutely that's a different thing than well let's just tell the same story over and over and over so we really get it polished yeah, and it exactly. sounds slick yeah you it, no, it, and
0: it's not a sales pitch it's and not a sales I mean, again, pitch he yeah. also mentions that about uh about into the abyss where it's like the the, the um pastor sort of says like he starts out sounding like this tv preacher right and well, because, what right what does herzog is do image. but just get him and i don't think i genuinely and i don't think herzog is even alluding to saying this that when he asked him about the squirrel that he was expecting him to no it was you know, just break a, down crying and open up but but i think it was just herzog was went an for the one thing that was that was probably taking the pastor off guard. The pastor yes. was probably thinking he's going to ask me about death or I was going to end it. So Herzog went, okay, how do I get his guard down and kind of sneak right. in by the flank? I'll ask him about the squirrel. That, it's that's a great it. point. And, then, and because the pastor, again, like most of the time the interviewer wants to do a good job. And I guarantee you yeah. in that instance, the pastor knew that Herzog wanted a conversation with him about, you know, the emotions of doing it. And so, of course, the pastor's brain, whether subconsciously or, you know, intentionally or not, is going to go to the point of, okay, he asked me about the squirrel, how do I get the squirrel back to death row? And so he goes, okay, I talk about how I almost hit these squirrels, and then I pause, and I I sit there and I look at them for a moment, and then that's kind of when he chokes up and he says, you know
1: because he was the having these I, thoughts in the moment yeah, for the first yeah. time and that's a, making that's those a, connections yeah yeah that's a great point it's like you know he's he's having this thought for the first time because i know i mean i've done this before you've probably done it right it's like uh, say you're going for a job interview right and you try to think of okay what are all the questions they're going to ask me Um, And, you know, and you kind of get your answers at least kind of partially canned, right? So you're not on the spot and you're having to kind of think these up in the moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think that most of us are that way when we know we're going to be walking into, you know, kind of a a, stressful, it's a little bit stressful, it's a little bit of anxiety, you're going to be on the spot, you're going to be in the spotlight Uh, And I think everybody kind of runs through what they're going to say in their mind. I mean, I just had to be interviewed for our local NBC affiliate out here last year. I know I Mm -hmm. did that. I was like, okay, what are they going to... You know, and I almost kind of practiced my story. Yeah, yeah. And and, uh, I think a good interviewer will, like you said, think of these kind of, you know... It, it, the the goal is not to just throw you off guard so that you're, you know, let's say I'm going to expose this person. Sometimes they do that in a job interview, but that, you know, that's not yes. the goal in it, right? That's not a goal in an interview, but it's to have the person have to be switch gears, be totally present in that moment and really have to have to be there and we mm-hmm. see those wheels turning and we, we break down the walls we yeah. break down the mask that we all kind of put on that's like you know our instagram you know my best life kind of thing right and so, i think i mean
0: that that goes back even to related to our own work experience when when we were doing the doc in california i think that one of the things that worked out really well for us was the fact that we Began the interviews and had the pretense of exploring these people's, you know, essentially what was their hobbies. Some of them mm-hmm. did it for money, but essentially, you know, started out as a hobby and, and was very much a hobby of life. Yeah. And but I, I always found when we were talking to those people that the most interesting answers they gave were when we sort of talked to them about like, okay, what got like, what's your personal life like? What what mm-hmm. got you here? And that was something I think that they weren't really expecting. I think right. they were expecting conversations about the actual activity and the the idea of whether it was yeah. tarot card reading or whether it was, you know, conspiracy theories or whatever. I think that's where they were expecting us to go with the conversation. Whereas, sure.
1: And you could tell you the know, difference, right? You yeah, could tell a absolutely. real difference when somebody had... You know, and this is the thing, too. It's like uh, if you ask the same questions that everybody asks somebody, right, it's like we, you know, we go through our daily life, and, and there's kind of this, like, very low-lying fruit of, like, questions that we ask everybody in our daily life, and we're, we we answer them almost on autopilot, right? It's like our, you know, the little, like, PR representative that sits in the corner of our brain just has these answers on can. It's like da-da-da, you know. Um, If you ask those questions uh, and that's – you're just – just this low-lying fruit uh these questions that aren't aren't very engaging they aren't very creative they aren't very interesting uh they're questions that have probably been asked of this person a thousand times before well you, you're probably going to get a canned response you know yeah and, and no, you're right. exactly. well and one of the things that helped too uh and this was really important uh we were able to do this for some of our subjects uh and, and but not for others, and I think there was a good difference. Location is so important. Herzog yes. talks about this in his lesson. Um, and there are some great examples, and I, I totally agree with this. Location is so important. Uh it it everything from it 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 cre- it helps your uh your documentary be more cinematic, it's more interesting. Look, we don't you just you don't want an hour and a half, two hours of talking heads in a room. That mm-hmm. is not a film. That's not a film. Um location it can help with that it's visual storytelling put well people i remember one of them the
0: black star canyon and we drove yeah. out to black star absolutely canyon absolutely to... yeah. or
1: the people that we interviewed in their space in yes. their studio yeah. yeah they're surrounded by the things that make them who they are it's it's visual storytelling you're adding to what they're saying by being in their space and seeing how how they live um Like uh, one of the in a different documentary film that I was working on, uh, we one of the subjects uh, was actually she was making a document, filming a documentary about her father, who was unfortunately in the process of dying. And it was pretty intense. And she one of the things that she did to try to. To cope with this was that she had a horse that she would go into stables and she would, you know, brush this horse and clean this horse and kind of and we went with her to do this. And it was amazing how it Mm -hmm. opened her up right when she was in this. I mean, it's like we were gone. You know she this was her place this was Mm -hmm. where she felt comfortable and it was such an extension of her and we got to see that there's no way we could have gotten that had we just had her in a chair in a room in a room there's just no way
0: yeah
1: Uh, so location is so so key and i think so many different ways and it's a great way to again to you know uh, a film is moving pictures talking heads do not a film make right Mm -hmm at least no, exactly. in, in my opinion i mean i've done do- i just did a
0: documentary that has no talking heads it's it's literally even better images and and people and yeah you know, or and in my voice is the narrator but i mean that's the thing is it, now wait it, did you
1: do your uh did you do the herzog i actually voice or were you just funny you? enough
0: i did had you trouble doing the narration <laughs> until i and i kept feeling like i was doing it too fast or i just didn't have the right kind of you know timber yeah and then I did one read through of the whole thing with my Herzog impression, and then just took away the accent.
1: Oh, and did literally the exact oh, same
0: it. thing, and it it is what is in the movie today. Is just like I, oh, so I would great. go and I would sort of go like, you know, many scientists predict that the final star of our universe will <laughs> exist. You know, and then I just yeah, kind of took I away the accent, and went like I many scientists. Yeah. yeah, it was. It's funny though. It's it 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 works so well, which well, is exactly. I mean, he says that he did that for. Got um, you, Yeah. What do you call it? The, well, he, uh, well,
1: there was one where he, I forget exactly, but oh, there well, was like at the, the end of
0: the world. And he says uh, that he did it from the, the unsolved America's mysteries,
1: p- unsolved mysteries. That's yeah. what it was. Unsolved mysteries. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. That's great. Okay, well, you hilarious. know, look, it's, it sometimes helps to, you know, get you out of your head, kind of, you know, remove this self-consciousness kind of thing and, um, and, and kind of do that. Try it in a different voice. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a it's often something that actors use.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: And, just and it can be of, difficult.
0: I mean, I've only ever yeah. done that in my own space alone, where I'm right. doing all the sound mixing myself. I've never, I have no idea what I've done narration for things where other people have been there, but nothing yeah. that I've been in charge of. Um, but I mean, I think it's funny that I can't imagine. I always laugh about, you know, this is a bit of a tangent, but I always laugh about thinking about like people doing VO or ADR, mm. or, you know, especially like video game voice right. actors voice happen acting, to be in yeah. a studio yeah. doing you know okay make the sound now when you when you do a swing of the sword and they're like <laughs> it's like i just can't imagine <laughs> the the awkward feeling in the air of just having
1: somebody in a booth behind you going I, all right try it again <laughs> i know i mean well hey i you know just to give give those guys some props those yeah. uh, those men and women who do are, are talent are voice actors it is uh, just for a quick little second just props to my yeah like some of my tribe. Um, I have not done that myself, but I have friends. I know many people who do that and it is really, really physically and mentally mm-hmm. demanding. Uh, you know it's it's a especially those video games I mean the you know nowadays with games being so story driven and so cinematic, they have you know I, thousands of pages of script and it's often you're just going kind of page by page by page okay you know scream yell grunt, you know, just oh, we have to do it, we have to get each line 15 different ways because depending on what the character, you know, the, the player chooses to do in the game it has to have a different, you know, we have to have all these different responses. It's intense man. Yeah, and, no, and, totally. And that mocap stuff, it, it is Oh jeez, yeah. Yeah, that is no joke. So, yeah. not to get too far down another path, but huge props to yeah, uh, my actor peeps out there who are doing motion capture and voice work and whatever medium you're doing i mean it it is relatively related though because i think
0: that getting people you know exactly what we're talking about which is getting comfortable with doing that in a vo booth or something and and the awkwardness of that it's very similar for i mean that would be a similar experience for somebody sitting down in front of a camera for the first time and having to you know tell out their life story I, i this isn't me but a friend of mine um who was in film school and had to do a documentary project in his third or fourth year um he did an interview about a girl who used to go to a middle school my the middle school that i went to but she went there before and she was murdered um while mm. she was not on the property but you know while she attended there mm. and he did a documentary about her because it was one of those things you know there's a plaque out front of the school and so he thought you know i passed that plaque every single day uh, and i, I want to know really more about looked it into it yeah um so he went and interviewed her best friend and she's had a really difficult life she's you know had mm. issues with addiction Mm-hmm. Um, she's a single mother, all these, all these, like, you know, just imagine kind of like the worst yeah. deck of cards Major you challenges. Yeah. and so he, but I remember watching it and it was, it was very interesting because, you know, again, the whole idea was that, you know, he took, this is perhaps a different approach. Um, but he, you know, put the camera on record and just tried to kind of keep it out of the way and have a conversation with her as though she wasn't, that camera wasn't even there. You're right. And, you know, sometimes that can work and it just can make, can make someone more comfortable to think to not have to think about the fact that their thoughts are being recorded and they're, they're yeah. being, you know, videoed. Right. Um, that they're just kind of having a conversation and telling a story to a person. I think the other thing too, though, is, and this is also something that Herzog says about when he was interviewing the, um, is the mortician. Um, right. And from he Gristly says, Man. you know, I don't want to hear. The yeah. Coroner. He says, I don't want to hear. Yeah. yeah. The coroner. Sorry. Yeah. He goes. I don't want to hear it like you're on the stand, like that. You're giving me a testimony. I want yes. to hear, you know, I Human. just want to hear how it felt, and we like like don't need yes. to be official. And yeah, um, who? Which is funny because that movie. I would say that that coroner in that movie is a funny character because yeah. he almost he almost says everything kind of like a sales pitch. It's kind of strange. It so is perhaps bit, it was I more agree. difficult to kind of break that shell for him because he is so used to that line of work. And or could, or, not or only that knows. line of work, but having to talk about it. I mean, of course, your yeah. job as a coroner isn't only to examine dead bodies, I, but to give reports on those dead bodies. Well, I, mean, so, I was going to
1: say, I mean, it could be, you know, chicken or the egg. It could be that that's, that's his personality, and that's yeah. part of why he chose that he career. Chose that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it yeah. could just be— But that's be, what I
0: mean in that in that it can be, you know, you could, it can be very difficult to break people out of that. And I think Herzog did—you know, I've never seen the footage— course i don't right. think anybody that, has yeah. before he said God, that i'd before love what he said that would uh, be you know, so break interesting. out of that shell so i don't know what the change was but you can right. tell you know sometimes you'll be dealing with somebody and interviewing somebody who just oh, he, has a yeah. certain you know way of speaking that may not fit exactly what you want but again just like working with actors in a movie you just kind of have to roll with it and, and make the best out of what you're given because well, you can't obviously recast an interview subject so
1: right well i can you know the, it's interesting so you know kind of we're going down a, a lot of different kind of tangents here i think they're all really related at the, you know at the same the, the fl- other side of this coin so i i just uh was complimentary for actors one of the challenges i've had uh was actually with actors and i i think it's um it just speaks to a problem that can occur though with Anybody that you're interviewing, I happen to notice that, interestingly enough, this happened more frequently with actors than with other uh, walks of life, people in other walks of life. But, you know, this uh, this veneer, well, we've mentioned this a few times, I've called it a mask or a wall, but mm-hmm. this, this desire to kind of control yes. the way that you're appearing, the way that you're controlling, uh, you know, you're trying to control the experience, basically, in a nutshell, as the subject. Uh, instead of allowing the experience to just occur to you and it's funny it, it's this is just an interesting irony but of course you know an actor's job is not to control their performance but uh, but to allow the event the circumstances the script to occur yeah. to you right but it's so strange is that in my experience and i've inter- interviewed a lot of people and i've interviewed a lot of actors Actors seem to have, more often than average, a more difficult time letting go and not trying to control an interview. Well, that (laughs) makes sense. It's an interesting little piece of of trivia. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I, you know, we've talked about a handful of things, being curious, being empathetic, uh, using your location, small crews trying to make the gear and the camera non-obtrusive. You know, another thing I think is so huge, just from a philosophical perspective, is to to not sit in judgment of your subject. Yeah. It's so vital. Yes. think Look, yeah. so much of what we've spoken to is that is a challenge that we're trying to break down when you've got a person sitting across the table, you know, next to you and they're on camera, is the fear of judgment, Yeah. And we all I mean, look, we all experience this all the time. I think it's one of the most like uh, profound challenges that we all face as humans. It's such a integral part of our experience that the fear of being rejected, the fear of being critiqued, the fear of being wrong, the fear of being embarrassed. These all come from the same place. And uh, the everything you can do to bring yourself genuinely, because you cannot fake this. You can't fake it. People are too attuned to this. Mm-hmm. If you can really bring it'll really to stand a, out. If yeah. you really bring yourself to a place of acceptance. Now, it doesn't mean that you, you know, and Herzog talks about this. It's you know when he was uh, into the abyss and he's interviewing this murderer. He's not saying, "Look, I, you know, I, I think you're innocent," or "I, you know, I think that it's good that you did this." He's not condoning this. Uh, obviously horrific behavior, but Mm -hmm. he's like, but you're still a human being. And I still see you as a human being. And I know that you're not just some demon. You're not all bad. I know you're a human being and I'm a human being. And so I think when we can bring ourselves to a place where we're not sitting in judgment of our subjects, even if, I mean, if we think their ideas are, are kooky or ridiculous or whatever. Or violent and, and, or and whatever. And look, yeah. we've interviewed some people, Colin, where I did, you know, it. my initial knee-jerk reaction was to think that. yeah, But but when you sit down in that chair, you have, whatever it is you've got to do, do it. You can't come from a place of judgment or you're going to shut down. Again, because we're mm-hmm. not journalists right you're not sitting there like you know trying to pick somebody apart to to get to some kind of you know it's not what we're doing as filmmakers yeah now other people may disagree and i have definitely oh, seen I, films I mean, I have where friends interviewers who, pick the hell out of their subject but
0: i have friends who consider documentary um to be an extension more of news than film and i mm. disagree with that but i i know there yeah. are people who who do there look are. at it that way i also i want to go back to to what I described earlier, and it's related to what you were just saying, um, where I, I kind of jokingly mentioned the idea that it's like a less aggressive interrogation.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And
0: I want to specify too that what I mean, if you want some a really great masterclass on interviewing somebody, I can't remember what the YouTube channel is called, but there's this YouTube channel that literally just puts up interrogations from, Whoa. you know, no. very famous, you know, the recordings of interrogations from very famous murders, you know, oh, wow. killers, you mean all like that. actual real, yeah, like law real, enforcement, real interrogation oh, wow. footage. okay And, um, there's one that I want to specify that is, uh, it, w- it was, a case up here where a military general had murdered a woman. Um, he was, he was, he had raped like dozens mm. of women and mm. was never caught and then went on to murder one. And that's how he was caught. But the most amazing thing is that you can watch the entire interrogation. He was not under arrest. He was brought in for questioning under the guise oh. of removing him as a suspect. And if you watch oh, the interview no. um, yeah. of his his, his interrogation, uh, and it's just one cop in there with him, just talking to him. And he goes from, at the beginning, just having a casual conversation about, you know, yeah, we're just trying to, like, remove names from our list, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. To literally by the end of this hour and a half interview, getting the guy to point the location of the body on a map. Oh. He's never aggressive. He's never judgmental. He's never sitting there going like, oh what my a you know, son of a bitch you are for doing this. He is literally, yeah. the, the, it is a masterclass in wow. interviewing because the cop just has a conversation with him and just, like slowly, yeah. by bit by bit, gets him to to well, reveal that is certain elements. Well, extremely interesting, I and it's think. I would say, yeah, just go watch it because it is a, an incredible. Again, it's it's like a master class. What do you think we on, can on search on?
1: Or, I, can we find this? Um, I, I mean, me I'm so intrigued. The name I'm, I'm of... so intrigued by this that I'm almost willing to just out talk about something else here while you uh, um, try to look. Yeah, up so this it's YouTube Russell channel.
0: Williams. Russell Williams was the the murderer. He was the yeah. he was a general in the Kennedy army, but um, okay, if you. Search up on on YouTube. to search up Russell Williams, like interrogation uh, interview or, or, or interrogation. Or interview. It'll come yeah. up. But wow. again, it's and and I think like that's kind of the reason why I said, you know, it's like a less aggressive interrogation because I think that just as in filmmaking, it is more often than not the less aggressive interrogations that get the suspect to confess sure. in, yeah. in policing, and yeah. it's the same thing with you know you can call it torture, you can call it enhanced interrogation, whatever you like. When those <laughs> things occur, when you are so aggressive with the person trying to get things out, you will more often than not just get lies. <laughs> you well, will just I, get, let, you Well, know, let's just
1: say for the record, please do not torture or oh, yes. like waterboard. Like, please no Without torture. their consent. Without their consent. <laughs> without their consent. <laughs> Unless you on, get like... them to sign an NDA and all that, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. But well, I just want to I... say
0: that it, it is, you know, it's people like to compartmentalize things and sort yeah. of go, Uh, You know, that may work for for policing, but that doesn't work for filmmaking. But really, it's not about filmmaking versus policing. It's about human psychology.
1: Yeah. And it's about it's
0: about, um, you know, being able to,
1: again, break down people's guards. Yeah. And and I'm interested, you know, and obviously it's like as we always approach these podcasts, as you know, every time we we step to the mic. And we talk about filmmaking for a while. This is always just our opinions. And mm-hmm. uh, we're always in the process of learning ourselves. And that's exactly what this podcast is about. It's uh, This is an extension of our learning process doing this. So I yeah. never speak from a place of like, well, I know, you know, categorically that A works and B doesn't or this or that. I would be so interested to, to kind of learn a little bit more about, you know, what the differences might be it's like you you use this interrogation as example i would be curious to know we can just use this as a thought experiment i'm i'm assuming that that interrogator thought that this person was the murderer and although they didn't uh, let the, the suspect know that,
0: mm-hmm. that that
1: was, they had an intention. They walked in with a very, very, very specific intention, which was, I'm going to take this person and walk them through this hour and a half long, you know, uh, interaction. And at the end of it, I'm getting a confession. That's my goal. They, caught, they went into it with the goal, I'm getting this confession. And, and, and so very specific. And I, you know, as, approach, as opposed to approaching somebody Even with the same external tactics, but approaching a subject not with this like very specific, very defined end goal, but a much more open ended goal. Yeah. It'd just be interesting to kind of see, you know, it's definitely some fun things to play around with as you're experimenting as a filmmaker to try these different techniques and And see what happens. At the end of the day,
0: too, everyone's had conversations with people you know you've all had those thanksgiving dinner table conversations with perhaps a family member that you're not quite close with but that you mm-hmm. that you get into learning more about them and it's it's identical i mean you just have to approach these conversations in a very similar way to those because that's the thing it's it should be again to go back to kind of i guess the whole really theme of this episode is that it is it's it's not a journalist it's you're not a journalist trying to interview or mm-hmm. or pry you know a a story out of someone you're trying to have a a two-way conversation yeah um and of course you want you know you don't want to be as the person who is you know asking the questions to be talking more than the person who is answering them well and you know there is a balance you can strike where i've found that more often than not the most successful interviews that i have or the most successful conversations i have with with the people in in documentaries that either i'm doing or that i'm just being the there for for support or something um our conversations where you know i do spend a good time chunk of time talking yeah i i am quite you know
1: yeah you're an active part of that yeah Yeah. you're an active part of that well i have too i you know this probably should go, you know, it's an understood, but I have had to remind myself of this in the past, uh, you know, as an active participant in this conversation, sometimes, you know, providing 50, 60% of the conversation, just one little like small reminder, small piece of logistical, be really, really careful that you're not speaking over <laughs> the yes. person yes. That, you're, that you're talking to. Um, and I, uh, having a special, like, challenge with that, I get excited, you guys out there, uh, and Cullen, you know, I can get excited, I get kind of passionate what I'm, about what I'm speaking to some points, and I want to, like, jump in and say something, you know, it's, um, so I have to remind myself, uh, don't just, don't cut in, don't cut off, and, and, and another thing I've learned that's worked well for me, Cullen, I don't know if you've done uh, much of this or not, but, often, too, what I will do is just allow dead air. Yeah. Um, There's, like, kind of... I think all of us kind of have this instinct, sort of, to kind of fill awkward space with words. So you know, let's say you've asked a question or, you know, you're kind of having a back and forth and your subject, uh, it seems that they're done speaking, right? They've told their story or they're kind of, they seem to be at, uh, at the end of a thought. Well, your inclination is immediately, okay, I don't want that awkward space. I mean, this is yeah. not a conscious thought. I've got thought. to it fill happened. it in, I've got to fill it, it in. It yeah. happens so subconsciously that it's just an instantaneous desire to speak, right? You just go right into asking the next question. I mean, some of the most interesting things that I've captured on camera occurred when I refrained from doing that and just sat there and stared at them.
0: Yeah, it's it's that it, and what's really interesting about what you're saying, too, is again, that that also is a technique in police <laughs> interrogation, which is oh, no. to to let the person sit. And yeah. because then if you're not going to, if you don't have to talk, they are going to want to fill in, they that feel space. that need. To and they're, the they're yeah. going to start going off of adrenaline of going, I don't want it to be awkward, so I'm just going to start saying things. I'm just going to mm. start filling in that space. And it can be super, super helpful. Um, and perhaps maybe this is just because I went to you know I did criminology in university. That's what I went for. But no, uh, yeah. But there's again, there's this super, you know, legitimate point of of uh, let that person spill the beans themselves. Yeah. Um, the yeah. point that you want to get to is that where they are self sustaining, where you no longer have to ask questions, where mm. they can discuss. And, you know, and that's such a, that's lightning in a bottle. That's not going to happen with every subject. It's not going to happen with every, you know, every interview you ever do. But I think that that, when it does happen, it can be great when you can just get, but you can also have times where people will intentionally, as you said, steer the conversation into a point that is beneficial for them and very much actively try to use this idea. I mean, you think about the, the Frost-Nixon interview, um, Mm -hmm which is a journalist, of course, going after. And I mean the interview, not the Ron Howard movie. Right. Um, If you watch that, it's very clear that that Nixon then was trying to steer the conversation and was very much a master of steering conversations. Yeah. Um, And so you have to be careful of that, too. You can't, of course, you have to maintain a power balance. um, But there's a point where you can almost catch the person off guard and get them to just basically spill all. Um, which can be very good of course in a healthy way but um, right but you know it can be really really great when that happens and again well, it can be really rewarding and you can get some great stuff
1: for sure and, and I would you know and I would say sometimes too uh, and I've been surprised by this and I don't know that I was fully aware of it when I was in the interview but after I got home and I uh, looked at the footage, I was kind of surprised that people will tell you a lot, by how they hide as well. Yes, yeah. And sometimes you can get some pretty interesting stuff um, by, you know, because the camera is just, there is something about, the you know, the lens. It just, it's like, I don't know, but I feel like, it, sometimes it sees things that I can, and I, I'm right there, you know, I'm right there next to the camera. I'm staring at these people. I'm in this conversation, but somehow, sometimes I go back and I see things. The camera saw things that I just didn't quite get right there at the time. Mm-hmm. But I see, I've had some really interesting stuff come out with how a person where you can, and, and of course this is, Sometimes, you know, the way editing can help with this and everything, but the person reveals so much by about, by like what they hide and what they cover up or where they're afraid to go, where they won't go. So sometimes there's that too, you know, sometimes that can be just as helpful as some kind of open confession, so to speak. Um, uh, you know, sometimes where a person is completely guarded and boarded up showing that could potentially be an integral part of your story depending on the story that you're trying to tell, right? And uh,
0: perhaps just before we wrap up too, I I just, and maybe I should have said this at the beginning because it is kind of a pre-interview thing, Mm -hmm. but I've always found um, a really great way to get people relaxed in a setting where perhaps they're camera shy a nice um, whiskey. And a, again, a, well, that. I'm yeah. just kidding. I'm <laughs> but, totally uh, kidding. Hey, everybody But make sure out there, you I'm make sure you, you you don't let them know it's whiskey. You hand them uh, you know right, a water bottle right. and say it's water. Sure. Um, but um, especially with bigger cameras and bigger crews and stuff like that, what I've always found helps is setting everything up. Yeah. And just taking like 15 minutes and just chatting with the person yeah. while everything is set yep. up with them in the chair, not but not being in the chair myself kind of, you know, going and sitting beside them if there's a couch and kind of having a conversation and and pretending, and Herzog says that he does this in his narrative. He doesn't really mention it in his documentary thing, but, you know, again, almost buying time for them to calm down and pretending that there's more to do. So telling, you know, a crew member, okay, actually, we've just (laughs) got to fix that light over there or something, and then you sit there and you we okay, we'll we'll be already in about 15 minutes, but, you know, let's just have a conversation. And it can really relax, because that way they're already talking to you in a setting where everything is set up, where the lights are on, where the camera's sitting there, but they don't feel like they're being interviewed yet. So I they mean, are used to, you know, they're talking and they're getting used to all that setup. And then when it begins, then you go and you take the seat beside the camera and you say, okay, now you know what it's like to talk in front of the camera. Of course, you don't actually say that to them. But right. my thought at the back of my head is they've they've now gotten used to talking with this setup. Yeah. Now they can. And it always, you know, every time I've done it, it's worked really well to make them just Really, really fall into that place of being comfortable with, you know, camera and lights on them and stuff. Like Absolutely. That. And, Absolutely. Yeah, it can be really valuable.
1: And, you know, we haven't talked a ton about this, too. And it, we're right. We're just about at the end here. But I, I think this is worth mentioning. Herzog mentions this actually in the second lesson that we're covering in 21 today about, you know, we've talked a lot about the emotions of the subject. Mm mm-hmm. But we've not really talked about as a filmmaker What to do with your emotions, Mm -hmm. and I think this Mm -hmm. is really important. And Herzog does speak to it. He talks about managing his emotions. He's talked about where, you know, he's been uh, filming something, and it's he has. It's been you know sometimes it really becomes a challenge to maintain a level of professionalism, a certain level of objectivity, even though what you're doing, what you know, this moment that you're sitting in is so profoundly emotional. And I think it's important to mention that, you know, the goal is not to be cold to your subjects. I mean, not at all. Not at all. Um, I think it is your goal as a filmmaker to empathize deeply with your subject, but you've got you you, you're not you know you're still a filmmaker right you Mm -hmm. haven't like you know taken off your filmmaker hat and put on a friend or you know confidant hat and now you know you're or or especially and this you got to be careful about you haven't put on a therapist hat you know you're not a friend you're not a confidant you're not a therapist you're definitely not a therapist you're a filmmaker And it's, you know, as with all things with art, there is no concrete in writing specific line. We all have to find this for ourselves and it's always situation specific, but you do need to be cognizant of that. Um, Sometimes you're going to, you know, hopefully you're there and you're being pulled in emotionally, but you've always got to have that part of you that I'm a filmmaker, I'm a professional uh, and I'm here to make a film. Uh-huh. So that that was like important to speak to. I don't know if you've ever had. An well, experience. I mean, yeah, he does
0: say in the thing, too, he mentions that, like, you know, a, a surgeon shouldn't do um, surgery on their their child kind of thing. Right. It's, it's well, not, even, not
1: only should they not, but they they can't. I, at least yeah. here in this country, there yeah. are definite laws around those kinds of things. And for good reason. So and that's
0: yeah, that's a good point is is kind of not necessarily building a wall, but making sure that you have infrastructure in your brain. So that you don't fall into a trap of just losing that professionalism and losing that that right. angle to what you're you're here to do.
1: The objectivity um, is important. Yeah, and it's and sometimes it's, but it doesn't. They're not mutually exclusive. Being empathetic, being present with somebody, but also maintaining uh, a healthy objectivity. Those aren't mutually exclusive things. They can be done. Uh, and it's something that, you know, you can practice and each one of us has to kind of find our way through it, just as with, you know, almost everything, which yeah. this is what the this is the cool thing about filmmaking and art in general. Right. Is that it's uh, <laughs> we all have to kind of find our own ways, even though there are some some guidelines and some signposts and some advice and suggestions and examples from other people like Herzog himself. Uh, ultimately, it's a path we all must uh find and travel on our own mm-hmm. so uh so speaking of that the next stop on our path oh, did you like that segue wasn't that amazing color am <laughs> so good at this <laughs> let's see so our next lesson what are we going to cover next week it looks like next week we're going to be on to lesson 22 so i can't believe it we're like three or four lessons away from uh from f- covering wrapping all, the whole from yeah. wrapping the entire. Uh, Master Herzog Masterclass uh, in its entirety, which I'm like so excited about, because that means we get to jump to something new.
0: Yeah, and, and that something new is going to be children's entertainment. We're going to be talking all about Barney the Dinosaur, and that's what our <laughs> podcast is changing.
1: <laughs> all right, and we just saw all of the subscribers drop off the face of the earth (laughs) no but we but we we are going to continue we aren't going to end the podcast when we're done with i think there are 26 lessons if you count the postscript we're not going to end there uh we are going to continue we and we're we've got some cool things uh in the waiting in the wings and we can talk about that uh as we get closer but Mm -hmm. yeah we're definitely going to continue and there's some exciting stuff coming up but yeah so lesson 22 is an extension of, I think, all the, you know, the things that we've talked about here. It's still documentary filmmaking. It's called Dealing with Human Beings. Uh, and I think in this one, we're going to talk a little bit more about, I think, it, well, it's respecting uh, ethical boundaries and how to get to the heart of persons. So it's very much an extension of this one. Um, but that's going to be next week. So until then, everybody, as always, thanks for listening. Colin, thanks so much for hanging out and having yeah, a, a super fun. groovy conversation with me. We'll see you guys all next time. See you guys.